All right, with all that said, let's get into Revelation chapter 12. We left off with verse number 3 last time. And uh, don't forget where we're at here. Uh, possible to finish the chapter tonight. We'll see how it goes. But uh, don't forget where we're, here, where we're at here. We've addressed this woman in Revelation 12. One is Israel. Ran all the references with you. Uh, verse 2, she's great with child and pain to be delivered. We'll come back to that in a minute. And in verse number 3, I showed you there appeared another wonder in heaven. So you got a parallel thing happening. And that's a great red dragon. And we ran the references on him. And the seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And we just kind of scratched the surface about that. And I showed you how uh, there were seven major kingdoms going all the way back to the beginning of time, uh, our time. And that the last kingdom is a mystery kingdom and it's still Rome that's in power right now. And so Lucifer's the one behind the scenes running the show. Those are his heads. And we talked a little bit about how God's going to feed them, uh, the children of Israel, in the wilderness again in the future. And we'll get into that a little bit more tonight. But look at verse number 4, if you would. It says, And, the tail, and, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God into, the, into his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had the place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days, which is three and a half years. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven." And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole earth, whole world. He's cast out into the earth, and his angels are cast out with him. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. I pray that as we continue this study that you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear and help, help the folks to understand, God, that we, we know what this stuff's talking about because we know your, your word, and we, we, we don't interpret the Bible ourselves. We allow the Bible to interpret the Bible, and we study what you said. And that confidence that you give us by your spirit in teaching us the truths that's in here gives us a confidence in you and an understanding what we're about and why we're here and what we believe. And I pray you'd help us and encourage us tonight. There is stuff going on in the world around us that we can't see. And there's more to this than we're even going to get into tonight. But you know all about it. And you still, God, in spite of all that's going on, you still by your spirit care to woo men to Christ. You care to, you care to draw them to yourself. You care to convict them. You care to show them from this book what they need. And you're a great God for that. You're so merciful. We thank you for it. And God, you, you should have wiped this nation off the map a long time ago, but you haven't. And God, on top of that, individually, we thank you for Jesus Christ and for sending him to die on the cross for us. And thank you for the salvation we have in him. And Lord, I'm glad that I don't have to fear this stuff coming in the future, but we're going to be out of here. I'm glad that I'm not going to end up where Lucifer's going to end up and spend eternity with him. I'm looking forward to eternity with you. And thank you for the promise of that from this book. And Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here tonight that doesn't know for sure if they died today that they'd go to heaven. God, give them the courage they need, the boldness they need, the common sense that they need to ask me before they leave to show them. Help them to know for sure that if they die today, they're going to heaven. We thank you for giving us this book and enabling us to know that. And then for those that are saved, God, encourage them and strengthen them through what we're studying tonight. Open our eyes, we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, now verse number four, what you have to understand is this has not happened yet. So the common teaching on this is that this is the fall of Satan. 
But that is not at all the case. If you go back to the book of Job, you know that Satan still appears before the Lord, which is a strange thing. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm not 100% sure myself what to make of that in the sense of, is he still actually able to access the third heaven or not? Part of me believes that, that and this is just my opinion, so take it or leave it, it doesn't really matter, but part of me believes that there's what, what probably is the case is that he comes up to the bottom of that sea of ice. Remember how we talked about that when God divided the waters from the waters? All right, and, and we've read in the book of Job how Leviathan moves through the deep and makes it to be hoary. That means turns it white. That's how fast and how powerfully he's moving through the waters. And what the common teaching on that stuff is every time the, 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 you know, the, the, the theologists see the word deep because their minds are so shallow and they really don't believe the Bible that they make their money off of, they think that's the Pacific and the Atlantic Oceans. That's a bunch of baloney. Uh, the Mariana Trench is nothing compared to the water that's at the top of the universe. Literally, the Pacific and the Atlantic are like, like a spit puddle on the sidewalk compared to the water that's above the universe. So you got the outer space that's above us, and at the top of outer space, when God divided the waters from the waters in the book of Genesis, what you have is a judgment of God that had taken place on the original creation, and then the light shines into that darkness in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, and God divides the waters from the waters. And so all the way at the top of outer space is water. And at the top of that water, it's frozen. It's an absolute zero. It's, it's an absolute sea of glass. And we've studied that, how the throne of God's on top of that sea of glass. So it's possible that when it says he appears before the Lord, that he comes up to the bottom of that glass and he's communicating with God through the ice. That's possible. But what we do know is the Bible says he appears before the Lord. So it may be that God just allows him into the throne room and that he comes right up into the third heaven. Either way, we know this, as of right now, when you study the book of Job, he's not cast out to the earth. Lucifer is not, at this moment, he's not constrained to the earth. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, we don't have time to run the, all the references or we'll never get out of Revelation chapter 12. Ephesians chapter 6 tells you that you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, where? In high places. So there's spiritual wickedness out in outer space right now as you and I speak. Now that's very significant. I don't know what I did with him. Brian, would you, would you check my desk and see if those news articles are sitting there? And if they're not, then I left them on the back seat back there. Uh, do you see them, John? Yeah. John sees them, Brian. No, no problem. Yeah, if you could uh, give those to me, brother, I'd appreciate it. So this stuff is out there right now, and it's, and it's pertinent to what we'll be looking at tonight. So as of now, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. As of now, um, the devil is not constrained to the earth, but in, in this verse, he draw a third of the part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, to devour her child as soon as it was born. Look at verse 5. <clears throat> she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Now, in my opinion, that man-child in verse 5 is almost 100% certain the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason that I say that, and there's a couple other possibilities, because of the way it's worded, it, it gets a little bit confusing, but who's going to rule all nations with a rod of iron? It's the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Uh, who got caught up to the throne of God? The Lord Jesus Christ, right? 
So now look at verse 6. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. Now watch this. A war's fought, right? And, and, and he gets cast out. Look down at verse number 13. When the dragon saw he was cast out into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. Well, what woman is that? That's Israel. Israel brought, brought forth Jesus Christ. He was of the seed of David and of the seed of Abraham. That's Israel. Now watch. And the woman were given, to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness under her place where she is nursed for a time, times, and half a time from the face of the serpent. The serpent casts out water. The earth opens up the water. Look at verse 17. I will get to that in a second. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. You know what's going on with this woman? She's about to bring forth a man-child. Now, here's the weird thing. Verse number 5, I believe, is talking about Jesus Christ. Verse number 6, this woman's travailing again, and she's about to bring forth something else, and it's not a man-child, it's a nation. Let me show you something. Uh, let's go to Matthew, let's go to the book of Matthew first. Matthew chapter 2. I want to show you how the dragon was working back here to try to get the man-child. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, verse 2, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Verse 3. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And, and thou, Bethlehem, in the, la in the land of Judah, art not the, least among the princes of, art, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Uh, verse 10, When they saw the star, they rejoiced with great joy. They're coming to the house. They saw the young child with Mary his mother, fell down and worshipped him, and opened treasures and presented them to him. And look at verse 12, And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed in their own country and went another way. You know why? Herod was going to kill him. Well, who's the seven-headed dragon giving power to the rulers of the earth? You know what Lucifer was doing? He's using Herod to try to kill the man-child, and God said, I ain't letting that happen. But that's not all. Go back to Isaiah chapter 66. I want you to see something. So in Revelation chapter 12, between verses 5 and 6, you've got about 2,000 years. That's why the Bible gets so tricky. That's one of the ways you know God wrote it. A man wouldn't write. A man wouldn't have the power to write this way. You got all the prophecies in the Old Testament writing these stuff down. These prophets are writing stuff down two, three thousand years before the stuff happens. And then it's coming to pass exactly like those guys prophesied it when they had no idea. They couldn't have possibly written like this with a knowledge of what they were writing. Not a hundred percent knowledge of it. There's no way. You can't have over 40 different authors on multiple continents over a span of how many thousands of years? 
all converging into one book that pans out like that book in your lap. That's a miracle book from God that you're holding. And the only reason people don't believe it is because they're ignorant. They're ignorant. And the reason the Bible scholars don't believe it is because they're stupid. I don't, care what, I don't care what their IQ is or what, uh, how educated they are. They're stupid. When they spend their life in that book, they spend their life teaching that book, and they make their money off that book, and then they don't believe the book they're... Re- I mean, how can you study your Bible your whole life and profess to believe the Bible and profess to teach young men the Bible and steal the Bible right out of their lap? How can you do that, man? You're going to answer to God for that. Every preacher you can undermine, you get to undermine an entire ministry. Not here to undermine your faith in the Bible. I'm here to show you that Bible in your lap is a miracle from God. If you'll just pour your heart, your mind, and your soul into studying that book and following God, we have found a book in the house of God. Why was it lost? Hilkiah, you're the high priest. Shaphan the scribe. What do you mean you found the book? You should have known where it was all along. We didn't just find the book. What we found out is we're in a big mess because we ain't been following the book. Thank God for Josiah. He's a great king. You know what he did? He did all the things that were commanded by Moses. When he found the book, he ran his clothes and got right. Boy, that's what we need. That book in your lap will save your neck. Don't you ever correct your Bible, even when you don't understand it. You just say, well, there's something here I don't get. That's all there is to it. I'll guarantee you it's 100% right. I can show you the errors. Isaiah 66, verse 5. They're not errors at all. Isaiah 66, 5. Hear the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at his word. Your brethren that hated you and that cast you out for my name's sake and said, let the Lord be glorified. That's what they think they're doing. You go out street preaching, you know who gets in your face? Save people. (laughs) They think they're glorifying the Lord when they resist you. But he shall appear unto your joy and they shall be ashamed. A voice of noise from the city, a voice from the temple, a voice of the Lord that rendereth recompense to his enemies. Watch this. Before she travailed, that's the woman, right? She brought forth. Now how about that, ladies? Wouldn't that be a blessing? That's childbirth before the fall. No travail, no pain, no contractions, no nothing. Just she brought forth. You know what that was? That was the first birth in Revelation 12. It was the man-child. This one's Jesus Christ. Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man-child. Do you see that? That's Revelation 12:5. Satan wanted to devour him. Now watch this. Look at verse 8. Who hath heard such a thing? Who has seen such a thing? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Do you follow that? Do you see the difference? She brings forth a child in verse 7 before she travails. Then in verse number 8, Zion, that's Jerusalem. It's Israel. She travails this time. That's the great tribulation. She's in pain. And guess what happens? A nation is born in a day. That entire nation, the nation of Israel, is going to be born again. That's the dry bones of Ezekiel. That's a prophecy in the Old Testament. They're going to look on him whom they have pierced. 
They're hiding out in the wilderness. They're trying to survive while Lucifer's trying to wipe them off the planet because he's furious because he's got demoted. And he's mad because of his demotion. You can tell more about a man's character by how he handles a demotion than a promotion. Everybody handles a promotion well. Let's, take, let's bust you down a couple stripes and then find out what kind of character you got. Lucifer's getting demoted. He said, I will, I will, I will, five times. Five's the number of death. And God's just chopping him down. I think the first one was back there. He, I think God blocked him from the actual presence. I think it's probably likely that he comes up to the bottom of that sea and appears before the Lord and communicates through that. Probably likely. Buddy, we do know this. He's swimming through the, big, the great deep out there in the top of outer space. And he's coming up and down through the universe, and he's walking up and down and to and fro in the earth, and he's running the show down here. He is the God of this world. I showed you last time he's an angel of light. His ministers are ministers of righteousness. I showed you he's a prince, and he's a king. He does all this stuff. He's a Messiah. He's got a bride. He does all this stuff to copycat Jesus Christ, because what he wants to be is like the Lord. So he sees every system God's got running, and he runs the world system, and he's trying to copycat the Lord. He wants to be the king that he knows this thing is rightfully Jesus Christ's. So what you got in Isaiah 66, ain't it funny that Isaiah's got 66 books? Didn't I show you how Isaiah is a picture of the entire Bible? Didn't I show you the shift from chapter 39 to chapter 40? And you're in 66. That would, that would correspond with the book of Revelation. And what he's showing you right here is that the woman travails, but before she travails, she brings forth a man-child, period. And then 2,000 years later is verse number 8. Verse 9, he says, Shall I bring to the birth and not cause to bring forth? Saith the Lord, Shall I cause to bring forth and shut the womb, saith the Lord? She's coming right to the end, and while she's in great tribulation, she almost dies bringing forth the nation of Israel, and God says, nope, I'm going to let her bring that nation forth. That's Revelation chapter 12, verse 5 or 6. Go back there if you would. So there's two different things this woman's bringing forth. The first one's a man-child in verse 5, and she gets caught up before the throne. And then in verse 6, she flees into the wilderness. Now let me ask you a question. Where did that happen after Christ was born? Did Israel ever flee into the wilderness after he was born? No, that hasn't happened yet. Did God prepare a place for her to, to where they could feed her for 1,203 score days? Not yet. So between verses 5 and 6, there's 2,000 years, and that's where you're stuck in. That's where you're sitting right now. You're on the cusp of verse 6 fixing to start. That's my opinion. That man child is the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan wanted to devour him. He failed to do so, so now before, Satan, before the woman brings forth Israel, he wants to devour the nation. And that's what he's going to do in the Great Tribulation, is begin trying to devour that nation. He hates the Jews. You guys think the Holocaust was bad? You guys hear these whack jobs out there now saying the Holocaust never happened? They're just nutty, man. They're, they're nutty. I'm telling you, they're as nutty as that they're stupid. I'm not trying to be mean and use insulting language just for fun or to be a, an arrogant, rude person, but they're stupid. They rewrite in history. There's something about it, guys. This British Israelism that says that, you know, we've replaced the Jews and all the promises to the Jews are now given to the church is a, the biggest bunch of garbage you ever heard preached in your life. That stuff's heresy, man. That is not the case. God's going back to deal with the Jew, and that's where you're at in Revelation chapter 12. 
All right, so God's going to take her there. Now you're in Daniel's 70th week here. The woman flees into the wilderness wilderness where she has a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. That's three and a half years. So I got some references here for you if you care to jot them down. We're not going to turn to them all or I'll never get through this chapter. I got some other stuff I want to get to. But if you want to jot some down, here's some verses in the Old Testament that will show you God feeding and hiding Israel for three and a half years in Salopetra. And it looks like there's a couple other locations that he sends her to as well. But these places are extremely defensible. Like to access some of these locations, you can get one donkey through at a time. So they say that one or two guys could hold off a hundred men just, just indefinitely because of how rugged the terrain is and how difficult it is to get to. That's where God's going to put her. And she's going to be hiding in the caves and God's going to feed her miraculously, Israel, miraculously like he did in the Old Testament. And we talked about that already. He smites one of the heads of Leviathan and he's feeding her manna in the wilderness. They're eating angel's food. Well, that's a fallen angel thing. I know he's not an angel. He's a cherub. But they're smacking, he smacks that head and he's feeding them that they're eating off of Satan. And if that blows your mind, God fed Elijah the same way because ravens were bringing him food all the way through your Bible. Ravens are a type of demons. So that's why I tell you don't get all worked up about this world. God will feed you. Don't worry about the interest rates and all the rest of that stuff. You're going to stress yourself out about nothing. God knows how to take care of His people even when the devil's running the show. you got a great father, man. Just stay close to Him and don't worry about the rest of it. It'll take care of itself soon enough. Micah 7, 14 through 15. Verses on Him feeding Him in the Old Testament. Jeremiah 50, verses 17 to 20. Micah 7, 14 and 15. Jeremiah 50, 17 to 20. Ezekiel 20, 33 through 36. Ezekiel 20, 33 through 36. Hosea 2, 14 to 13. Hosea 2, 14 to 13. Psalm 74, 14. Psalm 74, 14. Job 38, 22 through 23. Job 38, 22 through 23. Lamentations 5, 6 to 9. Lamentations 5, 6 to 9. Exodus 16, 13 through 31. All verses in the Old Testament, and that's just, a, that's just scratching the surface. How God's going to feed her miraculously. Verse 7, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. Go back to Daniel chapter 10. So Michael comes and does war with Lucifer. Daniel chapter 10. Michael's uh, one of the chief princes. When it comes to God's angels, uh, I like the name, not because I'm Michael. <laughs> That's technically my name. You know how the devil perverts absolutely everything God does, right? They got these rainbows nowadays. A rainbow is a good thing. Not the ones nowadays, not the way they pervert it. God said, hey, you bunch of sodomites, I'll never drown you out again. Hey, fool. <laughs> God's got one over on you. He said, I'll never again destroy the earth by water. He never didn't say, I'll never again destroy the earth. He said, by water. The third time he does it, because he's done it twice already, you're on the, you're on the second creation, the second planet. He's already done it twice. He's bringing a third one down. That's, that's eternity future. We'll get there at the end of Revelation. Two times he did it by water. You know what he's doing it by the third time? Fire. Ha <laughs> ha. 
Would you rather drown or burn for eternity? But they use the rainbow and wave it in God's face like an idiot, like a proud idiot. And they claim pride. The devil perverts everything that's got something good to do with God. I go by Mike. You know why? Because I'm so sick of this. Hi, my name is Michael and I'm your server. I go by Mike. <laughs> it's just way more like, just way more rough. You know what I mean? Michael's a great name. You know what it means? It means who is like God. That's a question. This is the number one warrior angel. That's why I like him. I like the name. I wanted to change it when somebody told me it means like unto God. I thought, that sounds demonic. Somebody named Michael told me, oh, it means like unto God. I'm like, why ain't you arrogant? Oh, I'm going to need to get my name changed because I'm telling you this much. I ain't. I want to be. But I'd never put that status on myself. And then I looked it up and I found out it means who is like God. And I said, okay, I'll keep it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I like it now. Michael's a chief angel. Daniel chapter 10. Look at verse uh, 13, please. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. Gabriel was coming to bring Daniel an answer to prayer. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Look at verse number 21. But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth, and there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael, your prince. Michael is an angel that represents Israel before God. So believe it or not, although the devil has principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world, so does God. He has principalities and powers in the sense of he has angels that have their messengers. They're dispatched by God to do the work God has them to do. We don't worship angels. We don't get into angels. You won't come into my house and find statues to angels. You don't worship angels. You don't get obsessed with angels. I took angelology in the pastoral theology class. Biggest waste of my time ever. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Are you born again? Yes. You got Christ in you and you're going to get obsessed with angels. You're an idiot. Because the devil's angels show up and appear as an angel of light. So if you're obsessed with angels, you're messing with a world you shouldn't be messing with. But we do know when we study the Bible that God has them and that they have jobs and responsibilities and duties just like you were in the will in the millennial kingdom and on into eternity future based on how you serve God now. Based on your motive and based on your work ethic and based on your willingness and based on all that stuff. What's your motive for doing what you do? Your obedience. And if you'll be faithful in that which is least, which is this tiny little life you have right now that appears for a moment and vanishes away like grass you're cut down. And if you can make it through three score and ten, if by reason of strength four score, meaning the last ten were miserable. If you can make it through that, then God says, well, if they were faithful with that little human life, they'll be faithful over here. So you get rewarded more later. So, Michael is an angel that represents Israel and was dispatched by God to go back up Gabriel because Gabriel ran into trouble as he was coming through outer space to deliver an answer to prayer. Look at uh, Daniel chapter 12, please. Look at verse 1. Daniel and Revelation go together real nicely. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people. See it? And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. Michael is a prince over Israel. So I told you the devil copycats everything God does, right? 
So that's why Ephesians 6 tells you that you don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness of this world. Uh, you go on a missions trip. I tell anybody that goes with me on a missions trip at any time, I say, listen to me, you've got to be very, very careful. You go there being all spiritual. And what happens is you come from a, a, a culture and a nation where you're used to the temptations that exist here. You pull up and you drop yourself down in another part of the world and you run into an entirely different spirit. You go to Haiti where the nation has been given to Lucifer. The president of Haiti. Actually, well, I mean, when we went there, it was a few years ago, and the new president had recently gotten into office, and he, he, did a, he did a ritual on the top of wherever he lives or whatever, rededicating the nation to Lucifer, and the Haitians will tell you they looked up and they saw what looked like a dragon moving through the sky. You say, is that real or not? I got no idea, but they believe it's real, and they say they saw it. Take it or leave it, I don't know. You, you land somewhere like that and you feel the oppression. You walk around at night and it's pitch black because they don't have the streets lit up at all. I mean, you can't hardly see your hand in front of your face. And you're walking down those streets, you just about run into people that are out there. They're out there in the dark moving around and they have their little gates open. And you can see in there as people are coming and going, they're doing their stuff in there, their witchcraft and all the rest of that stuff. Man, I'm telling you something else, boy, it's, it's something else. See the little girl that would come in there? She lived right across the street from the missionary and her, I don't know, her parents were dead or something or just didn't want her. And she lived with her aunt who was a witch. And uh, she's coming out. She come to the services that night and the missionary said she's going to pay for this. We walked out the next morning. We found her sitting in the street, sitting there rocking and holding. She was about 13 years old at the time, rocking and holding her stomach and crying. And we said, what's going on, honey? What's the matter? And she said, oh, she put some poison root in my soup because I went to church last night. She said, if I go tomorrow night, she's going to do it again. Guess what? That little girl came back into church the next night and sat to hear the American missionaries preach. And suffered for it. Now, wow. It's a different spirit, man. You've got to be careful. You go on vacation. You listen to me. You go on vacation. You're going to find yourself recognizing like, man, I better be careful. You know, you go different parts of this country have different, it seems like a different spirit. I'm just telling you. So the devil copycats everything God does and he has principalities and powers and things going on. But what God has is angels there and he's sending this one to come down and fight. And in chapter number seven, since Michael's an archangel, he's one of the chief angels and he's an angel representing Israel. He comes down in this war in heaven. Oh, I want to show you one more. I'm sorry. Go back to Jude. It's right before Revelation. Jude. Look at verse 9. Now, this one ought to scare you a little bit in a good sense, not in a sense of uh, getting overly, overly uh, obsessed about the devil. But look at Jude 9. And, uh, and this one will teach you something that you need to learn. Very important. Now, now hear me clear, all right? We have people in this church that have a charismatic background. Okay? You hear me? And more than one. And I know they say, you know, you can't reach those people and all that stuff. Once they've had an experience, they'll never reject their experience. Well, I beg to differ. We got some that just had never been taught the Bible. And once they learned where tongues fit and how and where healing fit and how and why it's in the New Testament, but why it's not active now. And you show them the verses about, well, Trophimus have I left it, my lead him sick. When somebody has a heart for truth... They'll say, well, whatever I experienced must not have been real because my doctrine is off, so that had to be the devil because it doesn't match the Bible, so God, I'm sorry, and then they put it in the past and follow the Word of God. 
And that's, it's that simple. Understand me? So we have people from a charismatic background. They're no longer charismatics. They've never popped up in church and spoken in tongues because I told them, if you do, I'm going to interpret. Scripturally, there has to be an interpretation of the tongues. And I'm the interpreter. So you pop up and speak in tongues, I'm going to say, praise Jesus, they just testified in church by the Spirit of God that they're paying for the addition out of their own pocket, fire suppression system and all. Hallelujah. Right? But I'm going to say this now. I said all that for a purpose so you don't feel like it's personal, especially if you're new here and you have a charismatic background. But listen to me. You better be careful about that stuff. I know this is harsh. The fact of the matter is a lot of that stuff says demonic as hell. I cast out devils. You are a devil. Well, who do you think you are? I speak over it in Jesus' name. You're an idiot. Lucifer will eat your lunch, man. You have no idea what you're dealing with. He is the second most powerful being in the universe. When Michael the archangel fought him, Michael the archangel couldn't beat him and didn't bring against him a railing accusation. Look at verse 9. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. Back in Revelation 12. You better be super, super careful. The Bible tells you to put lay thine hand upon him, remember the battle, and do no more. So all this tough talk about the devil and casting out demons and all the rest of that stuff. People have come to me more than once. What, can you pray over me? Uh, this My friend's demon-possessed. My spouse is demon-possessed. I'm like, you know, okay, well, who are you, first of all, to say they're demon-possessed? Well, they're acting crazy. You know, some people act crazy because they need to see a doctor. St- i, I got to stop saying stupid, but stupid? I don't believe in pills. I believe in the God. We're not going to medicate. Some people need it. We're hormonal beings, and sometimes it's not spiritual. No, you're not crazy. You're going through a kind of a tumultuous time in life that everybody gets to eventually if you live long enough. So you feel like you're going crazy, but you're not crazy. Like, you, it, everything doesn't have to be the devil all the time. You understand that? And if it is, I've had people come to me saying, I think I'm possessed. I say, okay. So what, what, you, what, do, you want from, what, do, you, what do you want from me? What's your point? Oh, I, I just need, I need help. Okay. You want help? Yeah? Okay. Are you saved? What's that? Well, here's your answer, man. You gotta get saved. Yeah, I'm saved. Okay. So, what do you, I mean, you, you don't want, I think I'm, I'm possessed. Okay. So, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Let's get on our knees and ask God to help you. God will take care of it. Well, don't, don't, don't obsess about that stuff. Just get right with God. God, God. You know, you can you could spend you could spend thirty seconds in a heartfelt, all out begging God prayer, and else you stand up clean, just like just clean, just like that. You think about that for a minute, man. You understand how powerful God is. Our focus is God, not the devil. Back in Revelation chapter twelve. So because God's done with him now and God's demoting him, the devil prevails not in verse 8, neither was their place found any more in heaven. 
And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan. So he's a serpent, he's a dragon, he's the devil, he's Satan. He breathes fire, he moves through the universe, he preaches in church, he has ministers of righteousness, and when he shows up, he shows up and is an angel of light. His primary place is religion, and he deals with the powers of the universe as he sees fit, and God lets him. That's what you're dealing with right now. But at this point, God's done, and God casts him out where? To the earth, and his angels are cast out with him. That goes with verse number four. That happens in the tribulation period. That hasn't happened yet. He swipes that tail and he casts those, those devils out with him to the earth, and now he's mad. You know what's wild about that, folks? Just to show you where you're at. Man, I meant to look at the date. I think it was 1970s. Dr. Peter S. Ruckman, who brought the King James issue to the forefront. Brilliant man. Absolutely brilliant man. And everybody hated him because he was a World War II veteran and he always talked like a real man. Which is why I was infatuated with him when I was a little boy. All the other preachers could prance through and never hold my attention. But that old man get up there and boy, he was a drill instructor in the army. You could tell. And boy, he was something. He was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Knew the Greek and the Hebrew and all the rest of that stuff. And God used him to help the King James issue come to the forefront. But they hated him. And all the way back then, I can remember when I was a kid, I was born in 77, so it had to be the 80s. Back then, he would talk about Lucifer coming down, uh, the Antichrist coming down and stepping off a UFO and telling them he's Jesus. And they're looking for UFOs and they're looking for people in outer space and that's how the devil's going to come. And everybody, some of the Bible believers believed him and some of the guys that liked all that weird stuff would go start researching the Bilderbergers and the Masons and all the rest of that jazz. That old man was a prophet. Fox News, I think this one was August 4th, August 7th, 2003, 9, 10 a.m. Harvard scientist says he may have proof of alien life in new study. We should welcome it. A Harvard professor said Monday that he had uncovered evidence. This is Fox News, guys. He had uncovered evidence of alien life in the universe and told America's, Americans it would fundamentally change their understanding of their existence. Harvard professor Ava Leob, Harvard professor... Harvard professor A.V. Leob said Monday on Fox and Friends that he examined an object moving through space faster than 95% of stars near the sun that had material strength and was tougher than most rocks. The professor, who is also an elected fellow of the American Academy of Arts and Sciences, explained that he could not quantify the object that he was studying just yet. What we are doing now is analyzing the composition of the molten droplets that fell off this object when it was exposed to a fireball that it created as it moved through the air. And we are getting some interesting results, but we cannot detail them until we put them together in a paper, scientific paper, that we hope to make publicly available to everybody within a month or so. When asked if the object he was examining was, uh, when asked if the object he was examining was not a typical meteorite, Leo emphasized that he was exploring the possibility of propulsion. Meaning it was a it was a it was some kind of a craft, an aircraft or something. When asked what the proof of alien life in the universe would mean for people on Earth, Leob said that it's similar to finding a hidden neighbor. It's a discovery the likes of which would change how humans understand their place in the universe, Leob said. That's the basic change to our perspective about our place in the universe. And the next question is, of course, is that civilization much more advanced than we are, and would it be a fundamental change? Leob also referred to whistleblower testimony of David Grush, a former U.S. Inter intelligence officer and Air Force veteran who told Congress that he had seen evidence of non-human biological material. Overall, Leob told Americans that the news of alien life of the universe, if true, 
should be welcomed. We should welcome it. It will be information that we can learn from. It will inspire us to explore space. It may make us better instead of fighting with each other. Perhaps it'll be a wake-up call for us to realize that there are more important things in life than fighting with other people. Peace. What did I tell you about at the beginning of Revelation? That's how the Antichrist is going to show up. He's going to be declaring peace. That is not a peace sign. That's a V for victory. It's an attack for artillery. It's not a peace sign. But everybody thinks when you do this, it's a peace sign. It's the sign of the archer, the sign of the bowman. It's war. He's setting it up for them. The third dimension of space will inspire us to put our resources into science, technology, and go out there. God set the bounds of your habitations that you'd seek him. He doesn't want you out there. What's out there you don't need to know about. What's out there is coming down in the tribulation period. I'm telling you, you're getting set up. This whole world's getting set up for this thing to come. You say, how in the world could that happen if people not turn to God? That's a boiling frog, man. They're getting it ready. This one is August 14th, a week later. Harvard physicist searching for UFO evidence says humanity will view alien intelligence like God. What, what did I tell you the Antichrist is going to do? He's going to come declare that he's God. It's set up. He's not just coming down himself. He's coming down with his angels. Harvard professor A.V. Leo predicted the scientific discovery of an alien civilization, one that may potentially be billions of years old. You got it, buddy. It is, too. Who will prompt humanity to unify. (laughs) We're all one. No, we're not. God divided. You can't get ten verses into your Bible without God dividing, God dividing, God dividing, God dividing. Leo, a trained physicist who received his Ph.D. from, watch this, Hebrew University of Jerusalem. Ain't that interesting? At 24, said it was arrogant for us to think we're alone, that we don't have a neighbor out there. There are tens of billions of planets in the Milky Way galaxy alone and hundreds of billions of galaxies like the Milky Way in the observable volume of the universe, he said. Perhaps noticing a neighbor will be a wake-up call that will bring us together. Speaking of humanity as a whole, there might be many more neighbors that are far more accomplished than we are. Oh, you better believe it, buddy. And we can learn from them. So my hope is that it will bring humanity to a better place in the long-term future. Leo also theorized that countless dead civilizations may exist in the galaxy. Oh, they're dead all right. Twice dead. Jude, plucked up by the roots. Foaming waves. They're devils. And he's setting it up. This joker's a demon-possessed prophet. Look at that picture. You tell me he ain't (laughs) demon-possessed. Oh, it's getting late. Let me show you something. Let me find it here. He says in here somewhere, this stuff's interesting to me. I hope it is to you. But I, wanna, I was planning on reading all this to you because it's not hard to read. It's, it's easy reading. But he says somewhere in here, oh, here it is. You can imagine that the superhuman civilization that understands how to unify quantum mechanics and gravity might actually be able to create a baby universe in a laboratory, a quality that we assign to God in religious texts. Going further, Leob said that it is conceivable that an ultra-advanced civilization may appear to humans to have a godlike power. 
Folks, that is that is modern-day Fox News for educated, civilized, rich, wealthy Americans. Telling you that there's stuff out there and there's shirts out there and that it's coming and that you need to get ready for it to come and you need to accept it when it gets here and it's here to help you and solve all your problems and take you to an advanced level. I know, but the Bible's not relevant and it's a bunch of crackpot garbage, right? You're lazy. You ain't read the Bible and you ain't paying attention to anything going on around you if you think that of the Bible. All right, let's wrap it up tonight. Devil's angels are cast out with him. And then in verse 10, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. What a blessing. Watch this. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. They had three qualifications in the tribulation period we'll come back to next week. Because I'm going to leave you in verse number 10. How did you get saved? By faith in Jesus Christ. By the blood of the Lamb, right? And by the word of your testimony and dying for your salvation? You have to die. You have to be a martyr for Jesus Christ to go to heaven. That's not you. That's a Jew in the tribulation period. It's the blood of the Lamb... It's keeping the commandments of God, the word of their testimony. And refusing to take the mark and getting your head cut off or your hand cut off, you refuse to take the mark. That ain't you. But look at verse 10. This is you. Because we've already seen that the church is caught out by the time you get to this point in Revelation. Jesus Christ already came back and got his bride out of here. And when he kicks Lucifer out, the accuser of our brethren... Is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. You know what Lucifer's up there doing right now? Whether he's actually in the throne room or at the top of that sea of glass looking at him through it, he's saying, Do you see what Reagan did? Did you see what Reagan just did? Did you see what Reagan just did? Did you see? Can you imagine the power of this being? That actually accuses all of us before God and sees us and knows what we're doing and makes sure God sees everything we do wrong. Why don't you kill him now? You know why he wants me dead now? You know why he wants to get me into sin? Just like he wants to get you into sin. You know why the devil wants to get me discouraged and get me to quit pastoring? I've already told you, I'm 100% sure if I quit pastoring, God will kill me. I believe, and that's just me. I'm not trying to tell you that if you disobey God, God's going to kill you. Sometimes God's judgment is fine. Go your way, stupid, and enjoy your miserable life. I'll see you at the judgment. That's worse than death. I believe that if I rebel against God and don't do my job, don't follow the Lord, don't preach the gospel, don't pastor the church, don't do what I'm called to do, I believe God's going to end my life. That's me, because twice I've already almost died in a state of rebellion. Twice. I mean, when I say almost died, I mean I was close. Twice. I'm not being dramatic. I'm not no hyperbole. None of that stuff. Two times I almost died under the judgment of God. I'm sure of it. You know why Satan wants that? If he can stop me now, it's less people I can reach. If he can stop me now, it's less Bible I can preach. If he can stop me now, it shortens the length of time that I walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the longer I walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, the weaker I get physically because I'm getting older. And the weaker I get physically, the stronger he gets. And he carries me whether I would not. And the greater impact I can have if he's in it. 
If he's in it, as I get older, I have a greater impact in other people's lives. And the devil don't want to see that. So he's accusing God, if you're saved, to cut you off early. He'd like to see you lose your salvation, but that's not possible because God won't go against his word. Not only is he accusing God of you, but he's accusing you, God, to you. Why would God let that happen? Boy, when God casts him down, that's going to be a time of rejoicing, boy, for you and me. We'll be up there saying, (laughs) sorry about their dumb luck, but man, praise God, he's off our backs. Now, I'm going to leave you with this, and hopefully it's encouraging to you. How many of you ever get discouraged because how bad you've messed your life up? Some of you that I would not think have a messed up life just went, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you have, haven't you? You a bunch of sinners. You unworthy people. You sinful, unworthy people. Now you have to live with it. It's your own fault. You did it. You did it to yourself. It's your fault. Ain't God's fault. We're not blaming God here. We're talking about what a loser you are, what a sinner you are. You know what I'm doing right now? I'm showing you how the devil works in your mind. (laughs) He's the accuser of the brethren. And sometimes you think you're talking logic to yourself and you're being fair and scriptural and the devil wants to keep you stuck in the past of your sin and keep the guilt monkey on your back so he can choke you out. Like the preacher told me 20-something, three years ago now. He said, get the guilt monkey off your back. That ain't the Holy Spirit of God. Have you asked God to forgive you? Yes, sir. Are you right with God now? Yes, sir. Are you following God the best you know how right now? Yes, sir. Then knock it off, boy. I said, yes, sir. (laughs) I got right with God because I figured if he scares me that much, God must be much scarier. (laughs) And boy, what a relief that was of mind and heart to me when I got the guilt monkey off my back and recognized the devil's the accuser of the brethren always rubbing my face in my past. And that ain't God. If you got it right, you're free. And the day is coming, you're going to get freer because he's going to get cast down and we'll be up there rejoicing with God. All right, let's stop there for tonight. We'll pick it up in chapter 10 next week. Um, I just want you to know I'm going to be gone Wednesday night, but everything will be going on here as normal. So please be faithful to be here. Uh, Brother Rob will be here kind of running the show, and uh, the rest of the deacons will be here too. And then I think uh, Brother Berlucci's preaching for me, right, brother? So he'll be preaching. So uh, one monkey don't stop no show, all right? I'm going to be preaching in Dayton, Ohio with Brother Pilkington. Please pray for us. And then I will be back here. I will be here Sunday morning. Now, when I make these announcements, inevitably somebody thinks I'm gone. So I will be here Sunday morning. I'm only going to miss this Wednesday night, okay? But please be faithful to be here anyhow. Enjoy the fellowship. I'll be praying for you. You can pray for me. So, all right, let's pray and we'll be dismissed.